Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, October 17, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We've got a whole host of stuff. First, we're going to take a look at the market from the big picture perspective, take an assessment slash inventory of where we are, what the possibilities are in both directions. Then you're going to get out your sticky notes because I'm going to give you a laundry list of items to make you think about. We're going to have what we'll call a philosophical discussion about the market, where we are, the big picture. You'll see it when you see it. Let's start with the daily chart of the S&P 500, namely the SPY. So they're trading into the 200 period moving average. Okay, fine. Let's talk about last week for a minute. On Thursday, they had a nice big time reversal candle. Under normal garden variety conditions, they're going to have some kind of follow through. Doesn't have to be the next day, but some kind of follow through from a high or heavier volume day reversal of sorts. You're going to get some follow through under normal garden variety conditions using the 80-20 rule. That's just the way things work. So they're beating on the 20-period moving average, fair enough. However, they already had a pretty decent garden variety pullback. So sometimes we talk about these A, B, C patterns, and that's fine. And that may be what's playing out from a compressed perspective. When you look at Friday's big down day, it looked like they were going to give up the ghost. Everybody gets scared. They think new lows are coming. The rally's over. All that stuff. The trap door's opening again. And it may be, but there we are again today with the reversal of the reversal of the reversal. That's tongue-in-cheek. You get the point. Friday's was not a reversal candle. It was a down day. They retraced around half the move from the day before. That happens all the time. Fair enough. So what's in front of us? Well, we got two things distinctly different on the chart. So A, you have a gap above. So there's a gap that happens to be at 373.20. So from a near-term perspective, on some decent follow-through, a decent up day, they're going to go and make an attempt and or fill that gap. Fair enough. What else do we have working? What in the heck is this shenanigans tail candle doing there? So I'm not sure when this exactly showed up. Somebody from the Twitterverse alerted me to it. That's a good example of how we can work together to help each other. Now, does this mean that we're going to have a turnaround Tuesday and the market's going to go down to visit the tail candle or the low of that tail candle that didn't exist? And for those of you who are new who don't understand what I'm talking about, what do I mean by say that doesn't exist? Well, when you look at the hourly chart, what you have is essentially one of these bullish flaggish boxes. We've got breakdown boxes. We've got bullish flaggish boxes. We got boxes all over the place. So from an hourly chart perspective, what are they doing? Well, this one's pretty simple. They're eating time off the clock, building energy to make a push higher. If in fact they make that push higher, let's say early in the morning on Tuesday morning, where are they going? Well, unless they break out above or gap open above, for example, the high of this breakdown candle, 370.26, that's really the completion of this particular pattern. Doesn't mean they can't get higher than that to go fill the gap and all that, 
but that would essentially satisfy the pattern that was developing all day long. Forget the big gap higher, it's just from low of day today to where this symmetrical pattern would be complete, which is around the highs of the breakdown candle, somewhere up in this vicinity. Now, what's the flip side of that? Well, they start getting below the low of today, which is 363.97. And mind you, we have a shenanigans tail candle down there. Where does it go? Well, we go back to our trusty daily chart. We get the low exactly at 357.28. And while it's not quite at the gap, it's a little below the gap that was left open on Friday. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over inside the numbers. I'm going to point out a couple of important things that took place today, things you can learn from. You can certainly pause the video, and I urge you to do this. Go back to the charts to double-check the work, and then we're going to circle back to the philosophical stuff, the cycle stuff. Yeah, the juicy stuff. At Zero Dark 30, we post some notes on the board, big picture stuff in both directions. It's the pregame warm-up routine. I want to bring your attention to something that was posted on the board at Zero Dark 30. Above on candle closes, and we're talking about above 362. All this happened in the pre-market, but just take note of how the numbers work and how these things unfold. Above on candle closes opens the door for a vacuum that will first take price up to 364 and beyond. Here's a chart. It's a 15-minuter with the pre-market activity in the light-colored green and red boxes or candles, if you will. So here's what I'm talking about. Here's 362, and that's pretty much where they were when I was posting that at zero dark 30, down here around 7, 7.30 in the morning. And then here comes your vacuum up to 364. Now here's what else you'll notice. This is without the pre-market activity. Your low of day was what? Well, right around 364. So that was an area of importance. It's magnetic, which hence sucked price up into it, and then it ended up being low of day, so they basically gapped up to an important spot. They tried to go higher, but they basically ate time off the clock all day long. But wait, there's more. Again, zero dark 30. The beyond will be as high as 366 to 367 zone. And there you have it. Right of the vertical is today's activity. There's your zone where they spent basically all day long. 366 to 367. Now, they tried to break out a couple of times, and from an intraday perspective, we had other numbers above should they try and break out, but that was the zone. We're moving along. Let me point out a couple of important things. More stuff. They're climbing the big breakdown candle at 909, just an awareness thing. That what you'll see here is I start to zero in on a possible short opportunity. 366, if they ran up there in a hurry formation, there's another number above, just a little bit above, 366.65. So I'm narrowing things down five minutes into the day. 366 to 367 and a quarter is really the zone where we should see them run out of steam and pull back. Now here's a 10-minute chart. I'm just switching the charts just for the heck of it, no reason in particular. But what did they do? They ran into that zone and they pulled back. Now they gave a scalp trade. And I ran out of patience with the trade, but other traders held on for the short scalp trade. I basically took a scratch out because I wasn't willing to wait. I have other work to do. You know how that works. There was another trade from Stocks on the Move, which we'll get to later. Remember, 
we're in the something for everybody camp, but Jordan took it in the room, so other participants in the room took the trade on the short side. There was something for everybody. It just didn't give you a lot. Let's move along. Let's scroll up and see what the target was. 938. 365.30, give or take, is a short-term support, meaning that's the target for a scalp exit. Of course, they could do more, but you have to know where your initial target is. We turn them into risk-free, emotionless trades. 365.30. And there you have it. The second line or lower line was moved down to 365.30. They went a little bit lower, but that's where they ended up turning around and going back into the zone and eating time off the clock for the most part all day long. Read the notes. Go back to the chart to double check the work. I will burden you by reading you the notes. If you're interested, you will read the notes and you will double check the work if you think that this can be helpful to you during the trading day, and it can. It is helpful to a lot of traders. Sometimes we think better in pictures. So at 1018, I post a picture of symmetry. This was a 120 minute chart, and it's looking at the bigger picture, similar to the daily chart where they would run up and fill the gap. So I notice things on different charts. Some things stand out more than others. On this particular chart, symmetry stood out to me. So basically, the A time off the clock, they have yet to test the big breakdown candle. And if they're doing that, they can certainly have the juice to go fill the gap. We're moving along. Read the notes. Go back to the chart to double check the work. As we get into the midday session, what do we notice? The hourly chart, they're eating time off the clock. They're building energy for another push higher. It's a question mark. We don't know they'll do it today. We don't know they will do it at all. We know where we're wrong, below 364, and the thing starts to fall apart. They get into no man's land, read the notes, go back to the chart to double check the work. This is your tour guide information during the trading day with the numbers. Only two possible trade opportunities on the board from Stocks on the Move. Again, we're at the front end of earnings season. They're going to come fast and furious this week and beyond. The only one that hit its price objective or entry target was Fox A. So we take a look at Fox A getting a haircut at the opening bell. Two numbers up on the board, bright and early. They come into the first at 29.06. They spike it about halfway in between one and two, meaning first and second number. And then they have a rocket ride or rip back up in the other direction, 29.83. You can do the math. Just call it 80 cents for argument's sake in a matter of minutes. We'll just call it 2.5% for kicks. Nice rip. Jordan got this one in the room. Let's run through some of the other markets. Then we will circle back to that other stuff. Nice, healthy, strong day for Camp IWM above the 20-period moving average. Now, remember, from a big-picture perspective, they weren't in the same position as the SPY. They did make a new low, but immediately ripped back up in the other direction. What'd they do? They sucked in the shorts that short the break of the lows. The liquidity is down there. The stops are run. Anybody that might have been short against the lows... And then the institutions pick it up, rip it back up in the other direction. In theory, a lot of people believe that happens. I think that does happen, can happen. We don't know if it did happen, but that's a concept that makes total sense. If symmetry plays a role, they'll be testing these highs over here. They don't have to stop there, but at a bare minimum, 
they should get into that area. Again, think about in terms of an A, B, C. What did we have? Off the bottom, we had A. The next day, we had B. And then the next day, we have C. They haven't completed C yet, but we have the beginning of C. It will officially be complete above the high of the A leg. It's not that far away. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Our favorite canary in the coal mine. So what happened last week? They ran a test in the vicinity of a break-up candle low. They never made a new low, canary in the coal mine, anybody? They were making a bullish pattern, a bullish pullback, wedge, whatever you want to call it. It's not a flag pattern, but it kind of has some of the same characteristics, so it's a pullback pattern. Call it whatever you want. You can put any label you want on it. It was bullish. They were in a different position, similar to the IWM, but even a better position than the IWM. We talked about it last week. Here we are. Where's their gap that needs to be filled, wants to be filled, up into the moving averages, the gaps up there. So on a further push, whether it's during options expiration week, which is this week, mind you, weird stuff happens. It's certainly possible. That is an area that A, will be magnetic, and B, will pull price in if they can begin to push above this high here. We'll just call it above 13,000 for argument's sake, but that puts them in what we like to call no man's land. The Q people, different type of market, different type of tape, different type of position on the tape. Same reversal candle from last week, same ABC. It's all the same market. You're not going to see anything materially different from the last couple of three days worth of activity. Different position, meaning they're below the 20 period moving average, haven't even got there yet. Gap is above, certainly from a symmetrical standpoint. Things remain similar to what we just discussed. Let's not beat the dead horse. XLF, tremendous reversal last week. Pullback, ABC, same routine. Are they going to trade up into and through these moving averages? The convergence of the 50 and 100 period moving average, we'll call it 33, would be overhead resistance. Another market in a different position than other markets. Weaker below all the moving averages by a lot more than others. They've had a bounce, but they haven't had a bounce similar to others. They haven't had a bounce like the others. Is there something specific to the semiconductor industry? Well, certainly there's a lot of news out there. I'll let you folks banter about the news and the regulations the U.S. government put on operations in China and what we can and can't do in relation to manufacturing of chips, chip facility, chip technology. I'm not exactly sure of all the details, but there's a lot of you out there that certainly pay attention to the details. So that may be an industry-specific thing, but it doesn't really matter because the semiconductor space is a great proxy for the tech space, and whether or not there's a reason that you can assign the poor performance to doesn't matter. If the semis aren't going to rally, the techs are going to be stalled out too to some degree. Now let's have a different type of discussion. You know about cycles. I like to think about cycles. I like to analyze cycles. I like to find cycles. I like to find reasons why markets might do something or might culminate at a certain period of time. They don't always work, but sometimes they do. And it's more fascinating from an analyst perspective than anything else. Well, we have to understand where we are in time. 
in time, we're in a very critical time, which is October, which can be a very volatile time, as can September, and it has been for markets. Now, separate bull markets from bear markets for a second. In a bull market, you don't get much of a pullback here and there because the trend is up, so they buy into the dip and they send the market to new highs and all that stuff. So they scare you a lot in the blogosphere and the conspiracy theory sphere about September, October, market crashes, all that stuff. However, when you look at in a bear market, there's different characteristics of the market. So for example, let me just throw this out there. A market doesn't typically crash from a high, but it crashes from a position of weakness. There's no buyers. There's no bid under the market. Think 2010, I believe it was May, they had a flash crash. There was no bid under the market. There was a conspiracy theory, two or three, that surrounded the flash crash. But in the end, nobody ever figured out what happened other than there were no buyers. That's really all you need to know. Since we're talking about crashes for a second, we have 1929. The market essentially crashed in late October in 1929 after already being down a lot. There were really two days in 1929 of importance. One was the 24th of October. That was called Black Thursday. You had the 29th of October. That was called Black Tuesday. Of course, you have Black Monday in 1987, October 19th. You have 2008, where the market essentially bottomed earlier than we are now, but came back for a double bottom in and around this time frame. We have a lot of global issues, but think in terms of known knowns and unknown knowns. Known knowns are things we already know about. They have a tendency not necessarily to crash the market. Things you don't know about have a tendency to crash the market if a market's weak and you're in that zone and the cycles line up and there's no buyers or bid under the market, so it can happen. In a bear market, and I've said this many, many times, you have to be prepared because it will happen. You don't necessarily know when it's going to happen, but when you come up to a time frame that it can happen based on things that happened in the past and have repeated in the past, you must have the awareness of where we are in time. I'm not saying the market will crash this week or next week. What I am saying is you have to be aware because somewhere toward the end of this week or middle of this week to the end of this week into next week is that zone. You have all these confluence of dates, plus you have a solar eclipse next week. You have options expiration this week where weird stuff happens. The 21st of this month, which is Friday, which is options expiration, happens to be an important day. You have to be what I will say is on guard. I like to call things like a solar eclipse a tinfoil hat event. And what we do know about them is they don't always drive the market or turn the market around, but they can have an impact and they have had an impact before, so we pay attention to them. Sometimes markets will trade up into them. Sometimes markets will trade down into them. What else do we have on the board? Remember, we have our unfinished business below the recent lows from last week. We still have unfinished business at the head and shoulders pattern completion down around the low 340s neighborhood. We're in a downtrend. This still is a bounce and a downtrend. They can certainly bounce higher. Weird stuff happens during options expiration week. 
These are some of the things that are currently inside my head. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not even possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.